0: welcome to aiming for the moon i am taylor bledsoe and i'm maddie henry and on this podcast we interview interesting people from a teenage perspective that's right and today we'll be interviewing holly fry who is the co-host of the stuff you missed in history class podcast so here's the interview Yeah, so it's great to have you here, Miss Fry. Um, you are the co-host on the Stuff You Missed in History class podcast, oh, yeah. which is a really well-known podcast, obviously, about history. So yeah. it's great to have you here.
1: Thank you so much. It's a delight to be with you both.
0: Yeah, so we wanted to kind of start off kind of an icebreaker question. What got you interested in learning about history?
1: You know, it's funny because I think people presume if you podcast about history for a living, you must have always been a history person. And if you had asked me even like 12 years ago if my job was going to involve history, I would have laughed in your face. Uh, Because I was that person growing up that I didn't think history was that fascinating. I didn't think it was for me. Um, you know I, I associated it with much more buttoned up intellectuals than I was and then it actually was when I was working at a university in the library and I was doing acquisitions and I had a boss who said like hey you like a lot of history stuff and I was almost offended I was like what are you talking about and he was like Holly the things that you order with your kind of like um, you know, discretionary budget, when we would have a little bit left over at the end of the month or the quarter or whatever, are all history books. And they were all historical fashion. And to me, it was about clothes. But he was pointing out like, what you actually like is things from history <laughs> that are just expressed in clothing. And I was like, oh, I do like history. Um, And actually doing this show has been a great reinforcement of that in that, you start to realize when you dig a little deeper than the way that a lot of us in my generation, I think your generation is getting better history education in many ways. Um, In my day, it was like you memorize the dates and the places and you take the test and you didn't learn the nuance and you didn't learn the weird parts that are really where history comes alive. And you didn't learn about how average people lived, which is actually where a lot of the most interesting stuff is going on. Uh, So that's kind of like the the great bonus of our show is that I get to have that exploration right along with the listener.
0: That's, that's really interesting that you weren't a history person, so to say, before you kind of like somebody (laughs) basically
1: told you to your face, Hey, you're a history person. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little, you know, it shook my identity a little. (laughs) It was a little bit of a a moment where I had to have some introspection, but honestly, I I did realize I was like, Oh yeah, you're right. I really like. I really like those bustle gowns, huh? Um, And that, I mean, that informs still the way I look at history. Like I look at it a lot of it visually as my entry point. Um, You know, art history is a big area of interest for me. Fashion history continues to be a big area of interest. And even just, you know, when you see a portrait of a person and it starts you wondering what their life was and who they were, that's often how I start to get into it.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So did you know that you were a history person when you started the podcast or like when you were, became a part of the podcast? How did that kind of work out?
1: Yeah, um, at that point. So I have a, an interesting trajectory into podcasting in that one, when I started podcasting, it wasn't as though there that was a thing, right? It wasn't like any, nobody thought they had a career ahead of them in podcasting. And it was simply a case where I had been – at a party at work with my co-host, Tracy, and we were being kind of snarky. And the next day we got called into our boss's office. And I thought, well, this is it. We're about to get fired for not being nice. And in fact, he was like, no, I think you guys have really fun chemistry. You should have a podcast. Um, And we actually started a podcast that was about pop culture called Pop Stuff, uh, which we did for a couple of years. And then it never really got the level of success that you need for it to be like part of a business. And at the same time, the hosts of Stuff You Missed in History Class, which had gone through many host changes already by that point, uh, one of them uh, went on maternity leave and I subbed in for her. Uh, and then she came back, but she eventually shortly thereafter took another opportunity, which was really great. And we were super excited for her. And then her co-host uh, at the time was like, you know, I think now is a good time for me to just take a break. Cause it's a lot of work. Uh, we're essentially writing a history paper every single week before we get in front of the mic. So uh, that was how Tracy and I moved on to stuff you missed in history class, which has been almost 10 years now, nine years ago. Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's really interesting.
0: So we've talked to several other podcast hosts recently, and they're all kind of part of the iHeartRadio network. Yeah. It's interesting. A lot of the people are kind of like, yeah, we didn't really know what podcasting was. And no. then somebody told us, here, here's a mic. You should start recording stuff. And then it kind of exploded. And now they're full-time podcaster, which yeah. if someone would have told them, I don't even know what a podcaster was, was one somebody's line. Like yeah. if you would have told me 10 years ago, You're going to be a podcaster. I would have said, what's a podcaster?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, all of us were working on the website, which was, you know, text-based articles and like informational videos and stuff. And so even when we were doing a lot of work on the podcast, like up until four years ago, I still had a full workload as a copy editor at the same time. Um, So (laughs) it really hasn't. Um, you know, one that just didn't exist as a job when we all started, but two, even as it became a job for some people, we still were often juggling other responsibilities before we ended up just podcasting.
0: That's definitely really interesting. So I think I have this right. I know we've interviewed a few people um, from this who've started working on this website is how, how stuff works is the website that you're referring to. Is that correct? Correct. correct. Okay. That's what I thought because we've obviously it's this whole network uh um, yeah. and they've just been connecting us to their friends and then their friends of friends yeah. so it's been really fun.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's really interesting. So many of us have been there for a while now. Like they it is definitely a little bit like an extended family uh where we've kind of watched each other grow up essentially into our careers which has been kind of nice there are pluses and minuses to that in the workplace (laughs) Uh, but mostly it's just been an amazing an amazing opportunity to to do this with the same people for so long uh, that you do kind of feel a, a different level of kinship than your average workplace
0: Yeah, that definitely sounds really fun. We heard from another host that basically um, you guys will have karaoke nights and go out and
1: all sing karaoke. Um, I do not do that. I'm not into karaoke. That's not my jam. Uh, Kudos to them. Have fun. I may have uh, sung karaoke once at a holiday party when I was over That's all I'm saying. You're you're underage. I'm not saying anything else. Nobody wanted to see that. So uh, that's, yeah. I got to be honest, I'm not a big karaoke person either. Uh, I have a weird, it's not even a phobia, but my ick is seeing inside people's mouths. So when people are singing, that's a lot of visual for me that I've not, (laughs) that I don't want. So, yeah. That's really funny.
0: So what's your advice for other podcasters? Obviously, it's a huge field now. There's millions of podcasts. believe I have that statistic right but there are tons of podcasts and basically it's hard to get noticed our podcast we've had on some great guests but we're not obviously exploding listener wise so what's your advice for getting noticed and basically
1: showing your podcast to people who would be interested in it well the first thing is really to like make it and I know that sounds silly, but we have so many people that will come to us and say, I have an idea for a podcast and they would like to be part of the network, which I understand. But my thing is like, don't wait for someone else to give you permission to make the thing you want to make, whether that's art, whether it's a podcast, et cetera. I'm like, you literally, if you want to talk at the lo-fi range, you literally have everything you need to start your podcast in your pocket right now in the form of your cell phone. Um, So I, I really like to just see people get out and do the thing. And it's like in doing it, even if you start at that very low-fi level, you realize one, if you're really ready to do this um, in terms of like the commitment, because you both know you have a, what seems to me to be a grueling schedule for two young women who are also in school um, and keeping this and booking guests, like you are doing amazing work. And so that's a lot and not everybody actually is cut out for it. Like I always say that a lot of people want to have a podcast, but not everybody really wants to make a podcast uh, because that, that work barrier is a lot. And then if you're doing that and you're making your own stuff and you're refining and you're getting better and you're slowly, you know, Investing where you can in your mics and and whatnot. That's when you end up with a product that you can literally show someone and say, Hey, I would like to be part of your bigger organization. Look what I have already done on my own with literally no resources. Uh, That speaks volumes. As far as growing your listener base, this is actually something that we grapple with as well, because even though we're a big company and we have a lot of opportunity for advertising and reach and promotion, there are, as you said, a lot of podcasts in the world. And like every day it seems like there are a thousand more, if not, if not more than that. So really it just becomes about being really, really smart and savvy about who your ideal audience is, uh, finding them through whatever way you can. Social media continues to be a great way to do audience outreach. And then usually like, that's where your groundswell starts. That's where like the people who are like, I, I, Love to hear two young women talk to people who have, you know, become established in their fields. And that gives me ideas. And also, what are these two? I'm I'm not using this in the pejorative sense, but I know adults will say, What are these two kids doing? Like, how are they booking all these people? How are they doing this? And then they start telling their friends, they're these two teenage girls who have all of these. I don't know how this is happening. Those people start listening. I mean, that's really how listener base grows. Um, is because people share their amazement at the achievement with their friends, and then it goes on from there. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: thanks so much. Basically, everyone who's asking that question, we just email people, and they actually respond to us, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> and then we ask them, "Do you have any friends who want to jump on a podcast with two teachers right? And apparently, some people do. I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> It is really fun. Yeah, we have like three to five interviews a week and it's really fun. That's a lot. (laughs) For your interview, I actually, Taylor forgot to invite me to this. So I was asleep and my mom was like, oh yeah, uh, Miss Holly Fry, her interview's in like an hour. And I was like, wait, what?
1: And so it is it is a grueling schedule. It is lots of up and downs. <laughs> For what it's worth, I <laughs> forgot to set an alarm last night when I went to bed. And I'm a late sleeper. Like on a Saturday, I will sleep till noon sometimes. <laughs> and I had this moment where I woke up like George Clooney and, oh, brother, where art thou gasping and went, <gasps> my interview. And I was like, what time is it? And it was like 930. It was fine. But I literally yeah. had that. That never goes away, by the way, Maddie. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> you two will be a fully grown adult theoretically on top of your stuff you'll have the same exact moment
0: yeah I've I've done that before like my, I accidentally hit snooze and I realized wait what time is oh yeah it? I'm a
1: professional snoozer that could be my job
0: <laughs> yes that's, that's a very funny career description I think there is such thing though as professional bed testers I don't know why I think I would go bananas it sounds career.
1: good in theory but after a while I'd be like can I get up and do some stuff <laughs> yeah that would be rough I yeah I gotta be honest and what if you actually had a company that didn't have a
0: nice bed and they're like hey right you want
1: to test our bed it was like just a rock You gotta be (laughs) honest integrity is where it's at yep so
0: our other questions are so our last few questions listeners if you've been following our podcast for a little bit we ask everyone this yeah
1: so number one what books have had an impact on you and why. Oh, I have two books, three books, really, that were very um, key to me growing up. Uh, they're a weird mix. People always look at me and go, really? Those are your books? Uh, the first is called Eight Cousins. It's a Louisa May Alcott book. She more famously wrote Little Women. But I remember I literally my mom bought me this book for like a quarter at a garage sale when I was a kid. And I read that thing so many times the cover fell off. Like it was a train wreck by the time I was done with it. But what I didn't know at the time, I mean, when you're, you know, eight and nine and reading this, and then I continue to read it, I've reread it as an adult. But what I didn't know when I was a kid was that like it was shockingly feminist for its time. And the the premise of it is that this this teenage girl loses her parents and she has to live with her uncle who has very progressive ideas about what it is to be a woman. And keep in mind at the time this was written, this was like cutting edge stuff. And it was about, you know, being self-sufficient and like listening to that voice in your head and, and thinking for yourself and taking care of yourself. And it, at the time it was mind blowing. It was still mind blowing when I read it. um, And I continue to love that book. The other two, um, one of them I stumbled across in the absolutely wrong way, which is William Gibson's Neuromancer, uh, which I stumbled across when I was about 12, which is too young to read that book. There's just way too much stuff in it, and it's too dense for the average 12-year-old reader, including myself. Um, but it was one of those things where I was looking for more writing by the William Gibson who wrote the play The Miracle Worker, and I found this book by accident and got a little confused and read it. And it is, I mean, at the time, it was so prescient about the future and about where technology was taking us and how human identity would shift as a consequence of living in a world where you're kind of peppered with technology at all times. And it's one of those books I... There are so many great books in the world. I don't have a lot of opportunities to reread books, but that book I make space for every single year to reread it. And every time I come away with something different Um, that I love. The other book that I really, really feel was um, kind of defining for me is a book called Cat's Eye, not the Stephen King one uh, by Margaret Atwood, who also wrote Handmaid's Tale and it hit me at exactly the right time i was uh, an older teenager when i read it and it really is kind of an exploration of a person's identity as a a woman coming into their own it's told from a perspective of someone who is is um older but you see her when she is a kid when she is a young woman and then and then in her her more mature years and it it just spoke to me in a way where i it um it covered territory that i had not experienced in another book where it kind of makes you feel not so alone or you're like, oh, I am not a complete weirdo emotionally. Like this other person has experienced this. This is actually a normal human thing. Great. Uh, And so, and that's another one that I will occasionally reread and it continues to, to give back thoughtful moments in my life and is really beautiful.
0: Well, all those books sound great. I've never heard of uh, the first book. I've only heard of Little Women, but that sounds amazing. I love how when you reread books, you kind of always take something away from that. And it's mm. crazy. Same with movies, I feel like. I'll re-watch a movie and I'm like, is this, is this in here the
1: first time I watched it? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> movies that I've watched, no joke, a hundred times. On time 101, I'm like, I never noticed that. Uh, <laughs> which is sort of the beauty of something that is that that dense as a piece of entertainment, right? That you get more each time, depending on where you're at when you're receiving it.
0: It is. It is. Uh, So our last question is, what advice do you have for teenagers?
1: Oh, this is so tricky. One, because when you ask grown-up people this, you can't help but feel like a jerk when you're giving people advice. (laughs) Like when I was a kid. Uh, But here's, there are a couple things. One, I really wish someone had told me this. Nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing. And this is important information uh, because I think, you know, people can be really, really knowledgeable. They can know how to do their jobs. They can know a lot about given subjects. But in the big picture, I mean, our lives are just a series of like surprises and we have to figure out how to deal with them and how to conquer them in some cases or how to accept them, just how to navigate them. And almost, you know, I would say even if you're an expert in a given field, almost 80% of your life is just figuring out what to do next um, in terms of your, your day to day. And it often, when you're struggling with something, you can look around and it often feels like everybody else has their business figured out. And that's not the case. They're also struggling. Like nobody knows what they're doing. I really, really <laughs> hope Um, you know, you, re- you realize when you think about that, that all you really have is to like depend on your own judgment. You can't really emulate anyone else because they're messing up too. They're a mess in their head. Um, and so the more kind of knowledgeable you are and the more you practice just trusting yourself and trusting that voice in your head. The more confident you'll become, and even though you know you don't know what you're doing, you're confident that you can handle it. That's like I wish somebody had told me that when I was any age. Um, I was like in my 40s when I figured that one out. And then the other thing that I really, really think is super important, and I don't want to lay too much on your generation, is that um, when I talk to people your age, and you know, in that age range of a little younger to a little older than you, I am always struck by how hopeful it makes the future feel. I feel like people your age are having conversations about things like identity and just the world and politics in a way that is so much more knowledgeable and nuanced and thoughtful than anyone was having when I was your age. Um, And I, I take great comfort in that and it's very inspiring. Um, I feel like we have a tendency as we get older to get a little jaded and not so idealistic. And I really do think there's a level of, of knowledge and understanding in your generation that I hope will make sure you are never robbed of your idealism.
0: That's, that's really interesting, because as we've been interviewing people, it's been interesting. Obviously, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but a lot of them have said, this makes me hopeful for the future, mm. basically, that you're interviewing people and that you're sharing these ideas and it's interesting that that's been one of the number one things people have said, like, thank you so much for doing this. And I'm not, honestly, I don't have enough life experience to know why, but I just have found that interesting throughout all the interviews that we've been doing. People basically said, this makes me hopeful for the future.
1: Yeah, it really does. I did a... uh limited podcast series last year leading up to the election called Why I'm Voting. And several of our guests were first-time voters. And I was really, really blown away by how much some of them were like, oh, during the last election, I was 14 and I saw how it happened and I wasn't happy or it was, you know, whatever. And I just decided if this is something I have to do, I have to research it and learn about it and be ready when it's my turn. And I, nobody i don't, i didn't know anybody my age that was thinking that way at 14 um so it it really is sort of a, a the beautiful outcropping i think of our more connected age is that everyone is more aware of everything and i think people in your generation are taking that connectedness and that awareness and they're actually using it in a positive way to better themselves and the planet which who doesn't want that
0: That's, yeah, it's really great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been awesome learning about podcasting, talking about karaoke a little bit, and just like, (laughs) you know, having a conversation. It's been great having you on.
1: It has been my great delight as well. Thank you so much for spending this time with me.
0: That was a really interesting interview. So Maddie and I have decided for this discussion, we are going to keep this under 10 minutes because I've been editing all of our episodes and I we just couldn't stop talking about the interviews. So I promise you guys, this is going to be under 10 minutes. Okay. I ever feel like we talk for 10 minutes? It doesn't. I'm just so interested in the interview that I forget <laughs> that I'm on a recording still talking about it. So anyway... Maddie, what did you think of this interview? I really liked it. What I thought was fascinating that is that she wasn't always like a history buff or whatever. I I, like, I expected her to be like, oh yeah, like that's my been my favorite subject since kindergarten. I had all these books. And she was like, like when the person told her, like, you're really into history, she's like, whoa, <laughs> like almost offended. I thought that was hilarious and really funny. I thought so too. Yeah, I'm into history. I think it's interesting, like just learning about things that happened um but yeah I definitely thought that was interesting how it wasn't like by the first grade I had read my first history textbook and it was blah 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 and she gave really great pieces of advice I thought um not only uh for our last question but I really liked her advice for what she said about podcasters how kind of just take it one step at a time like oh just invest the money where you can to your mic grow your audience and then you eventually have this great product and I liked that it wasn't like you didn't have the pressure of me like bam And then you're like, have this amazing podcast, because we did not have that from day one. We've polished it and done a lot since then. Maddie and I, before we started this recording, were talking about our first few episodes, which aren't bad because of the guests at all. We had some really interesting and really kind guests on to participate in our very small podcast. (laughs) Uh, But it was like, Maddie and I were thinking about our interviewing techniques, and it was oh ooh, they're cringy oh it's bad listen to them that's that that just gives you picture for what they're like i can't listen to them yeah the guests are awesome um we were not so awesome let's just put yeah it maddie way. didn't even have a mic the first episode <laughs> oh oh so it was it was rough it was it was <laughs> it really was rough. so our announcements slash promotion section of our discussion so we have our website everyone we have aimingforthemoon.com we have podcast vlogs on there which is basically us talking about what it's like running a podcast we have guest pages on there a little biography that we wrote about our guests and a picture of our guest and we have obviously the episodes themselves so if you want to just listen on our website for some reason and that's there and we have merch so check that out that helps support the podcast believe us we're not just saying that because we want to make extra money i literally um it does help support the podcast and yeah maddie what else is on our website um we have a contact page if you have any recommendations for any guests that you want to hear or you don't like how we're doing it and have some suggestions or you just want to give us some affirmation and say that we're doing a great job we would love to hear from you either way we'd probably prefer to for it to be positive and encouraging But we're open to your criticism. Sure. Yeah. And on social media, we have a YouTube channel, Aiming for the Moon podcast on YouTube. It's linked in this episode description or the episode notes, depending on what the podcast platform you're listening on is. We have Aiming the Number 4 Moon on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us there. We post basically extra stuff, pictures, you know, just stuff going on, sneak peeks. It's fun. Teasers. Teasers. Yep. Yep. And make sure you share the podcast around and rate it. That would be great. It pushes us up in the algorithm, everyone. Because you know that algorithm. Um yeah, it um, just helps us share around with more people. Yeah, I'm still not sure what you mean by pushing it in the algorithm, but you're the tech person. So we've been saying that since like day one. And I'm still like, uh-huh. I just sit here, and nod. <laughs> not and smile, nod and smile. <laughs> So yeah, basically what I mean by that is that the Apple podcast technology says, hey, people like that podcast. So it shows it to more people. That's what I mean by that. So yeah, share it around, rate the podcast. That would be great. It, again, it gets us around to more people. Share the podcast with your uncle you see once a year, your teacher, your teacher's friends, that guy you saw on the street and your friends. That'd be great. So yeah, don't forget. Set your sights high and aim for the moon.